What would you do if one of your coworkers reeked of chemicals? <laughs> You're like, Jason, that's half the people I work with now. But this coworker not only smelled like a meth lab, he also never moved. <laughs> like, are you sure it's not a dead guy? Who knows? It's a paranormal story. Could be a ghost. Could be a smelly ghost. And then we meet a man who hosts a little girl's birthday party at his house. But when all the kids are gone and some of the cake is left, Sean is hoping to have a tasty slice until he hears a knock at the door. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the world, doing whatever you're doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so first off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give it up for a longtime Patreon supporter, Lula F. Woohoo, yeah, wee! Come on in, Lula. Lula is strutting on into Dead Rabbit Command. Lula, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family. Those are ways you can help the show grow. Also, I know I've been talking about it a lot, but it's pretty cool. Oregon Ghost Conference, March 24th in Seaside, Oregon. Yours truly will be giving a presentation on why are there no fat ghosts. And I'm still surprised they haven't just thought, I'm joking. (laughs) They haven't thought that this is some elaborate troll. And uh, yeah, but they, they haven't figured that out yet. It's not a troll. It's not a troll. I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. And I hope to see some of you guys there. It's $15, and it's for three days. It's not $15 just to see me. And you get three days of speakers and vendors' tables and all that stuff. And it's spring break in Seaside, Oregon. Apparently, it's a booming resort for college kids as well. So if you're looking for love, or if you're a serial killer, or if you're trying to emulate Ted Bundy, swing on by. <laughs> Actually, don't, don't come by if you're going to murder anybody. But if you want to check out... The seaside, if you want to check out the coast of Oregon, if you want to listen to me talk about what you're doing, you do it now for free, but now I want you to pay $15 to do it. I don't get the $15. It's not like I'm like, uh, I'm not, I saw some guy in the back. He didn't pay me. Uh, I'm not going to start speaking until I get some money. But uh, guys, that'd be really cool if you could come out. It'd be a lot of fun. Lula, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to an Air Force base. It's a nice leisurely drive all the way out to this unnamed Air Force base. We don't know where this story actually took place. National security and all, they don't want it to get out to where the the smelliest airmen are, but we're headed all the way out to this military base. We're going to meet a man named Jerry. When he tells us this story, he said it all started back in the year 2008. He was in tech school. When you go into Air Force, I had to look this up on Wikipedia. You join the Air Force and they go, you, 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 you. All of you guys are going to be airplane mechanics. And they're like, yeah. And then they're like, and you five guys, you're going to (laughs) hold your arms out and fly around and pretend to be planes. They're like, "Uh, okay. And then you guys, you're going to be the maintenance crew and everyone gets their jobs. And then you go to tech school to learn how to do your job. 
which sounds super weird. It really does. You show up and you're like, oh, I can't wait to be an airplane pilot. And they're like, you'll be an airplane pilot. You're like, yes. <laughs> Putting their socks on. You're like, what? I didn't know that was a job. They're like, yeah. When they wear all the gloves and they got that really cool visor on, that visor is cool, isn't it? You're like, yeah, man. They can't see their socks. So you'll be the guy. To put on the socks. He's like, do I just put on the socks? Or do I put on the shoes too? Oh, no, no, no. That's too technical for you. You just put on their socks. You're going to work two hours a day. And the rest of the time, you're just going to steady socks. <laughs> the socks. Welcome to tech school. Anyways, he's in tech school. And this guy, Jerry, says, in my class was this other guy. Now, these names aren't real. Uh, Jerry said that he knew this guy named Paul who was also in this tech class. And he goes, man, listen, Paul was a weirdo. First off, he looked weird. And you go, Jason, that's kind of rude. Like, you don't really talk about people's personal appearance on here. Like, are you going to start listing off a bunch of different things? No. There wasn't anything like he had any noticeable, or at least that Jerry put down, like noticeable physical issues. There was just something off about him. It's not like his ears or his nose or his mouth. He just looked at him and something was weird. So not definable weirdness. He also reeked of chemicals. Probably, it's probably one of those situations where you couldn't put your finger on it. Because otherwise you would say, yeah, man, I hated working with Paul. He smelled like formaldehyde or woo-wee. The other day I was in sock school with Paul and he smelled like rubbing alcohol. It wasn't any particular chemical. He just smelled like chemicals were emanating from his body. He's smelly. He's weird. He didn't look right. But he also, Jerry goes, it was so weird because he would start these super weird conversations. He would start these super weird conversations. And that was odd enough. But he almost went out of his way to be weird. <laughs> he wakes up in the morning, he's like, ah, oh, nothing like a good bath and caustic chemicals. She's taking a chemical bath. He's like, okay, now it's time to be weird. He's making his eyeballs roll around. He would start weird conversations. And not only would he start weird conversations, like, do you happen to like avocados or are you more of a peach person? Not only would he start weird conversations like that, he also, they came off very scripted. It wasn't like he was actually curious. Like, I may start an odd conversation. What was I thinking about the other day? Like, what happens to a rat when he gets too fat to walk out of a rat hole? What does he do? Does he just stay in there? Is that the life cycle of a rat? Does he just get, eat as much cheese and peanut butter as possible, and then he just dies in his hole? And I may ask that question to an exterminator. <laughs> Exterminator comes over and like, oh my god, this place smells like a thousand rats have died on the walls. I was like, yeah, I've been running some experiments. <laughs> I've been running some experiments. I was wondering if you get it. I may ask weird questions, right? But I'm genuinely curious. He said, he goes, he asked weird questions and it was like the he had the conversation scripted in his head already. Everything seemed scripted about him, like he had prepared to ask the weird question, and he had prepared his responses no matter what you answered. And he goes, it was it was like watching someone who was trying to pretend to be normal, but didn't know what normal was. 
That was the feeling that he gave Jerry. That's the feeling he gave everyone. But the creepiest thing, this was the one thing that's kind of setting everyone off. And this is where we go beyond just a weird lady playing an accordion 20 feet outside your apartment to straight up paranormal or alien behavior. Because he goes, listen, I'll tell you, in our base, we had very, very sensitive motion detectors, which you, you would hope on a military base, right? They definitely splurge on that stuff. He goes, we had motion detectors and our hallway lights were set up that if no one walked in the hallway for 30 minutes or more, the lights shut off. And you open your door and the lights turn on, right? Super sensitive. You see the dark hallway, you take a step into it, all the lights turn on. It's a well-lit hallway because that's another thing you want on a military base. You want line of sight. You want to be able to see clearly in case any ninjas are lurking around. He goes, you would walk into one of these hallways and be pitch black. You take a step in the lights and start to light up the path in front of you. The entire hallway is illuminated. And there, standing in the middle of the hallway, was Paul. Now, not like he had just stepped out of his dorm. It's not like he was entering the hallway the same time you were. The implication was he was standing there perfectly still. For more than 30 minutes. <laughs> Long enough he couldn't move at all until the lights shut off. And then just stood there in the dark for who knows how long. Until someone else stepped into the hallway and the lights came on and you would just see Paul standing there. Now, listen, man, this could be like a Air Force urban legend. It could be like, you better watch it if you don't sleep. If you airmen don't get to sleep tonight, Paul will show up at your room and he'll just be smelly. He's not scaring anyway. It could be some sort of urban legend. But it's an interesting story. Uh, Jerry, It's not finished. Jerry goes on to say... Paul was not a smart guy either. <laughs> Could have had something to do with all those chemicals coming out of his pores. But Paul was not a smart man. He actually was really struggling with his classes. And as he was training, and he was in the Air Force longer, I guess when they sign you up, they do like a cursory examination. But I guess, yeah, it would depend on what job they were going to put you in. They start doing security clearances on him, more in-depth security clearances on him. He's not able to pass any of them. His superiors are starting to realize they can't verify any of his background. And, and because of his poor grades, his poor performance, and the fact that he can't really be qualified for the job that they need to put him in, and he's a big weirdo who's super stinky, which I think, think I don't think that you can get kicked out of the Army or Air Force because of that, but... It was just the icing on the cake. The Air Force decided to let him go. The problem was they weren't even able to do that because Jerry goes, the uh, military training instructors on the base had told Jerry this part of the story. He wasn't privy to this, but he found out later. He goes, yeah, we went to, you know, basically discharge him. He wasn't able to meet the standards of the Air Force. And we couldn't, we had nowhere to send him. The address he put down did not exist. And neither did any of his family members. Like, all the information he put down regarding his home and his family contacts and everything like that, there just was no record of anybody. 
And they would ask him about because, you know, they're trying to make phone calls. They're trying to get this guy out of here. Hey, nice guy. He's a little stinky. You stay in the other room while we're making these phone calls. Um, they couldn't verify any of the stuff. And when they would ask him, hey, Paul, yeah, we tried calling your mom, but this phone number you gave, it's not working. Do you have another phone number? And he would look at him and be like, no, that's my mom's phone number. And no matter what they did, he'd be like, no, that's the address they live at. That's the address that I live at. This other address, that's where I live at. And not, none of it matched up. They could never verify any of it. But they did eventually kick him out. They just gave him a stick, a pointy stick, and kicked him out into the wilderness surrounding the Air Force Base. They're like, find your way home, young man. No, they were eventually able to discharge him from the military. It's an interesting story. It's interesting because on the one hand, it does feel almost like an urban legend because it's so fantastical. I think the idea is that he is um, alien or some sort of robot, some sort of clone. Because the smell, right? That's what I was thinking. The motion, all of this stuff, it's definitely not human. People who kind of seem off and people who have conversations that are highly scripted in their heads, both of those are normal. Both of those, I've met people who have done that Totally normal people. Smell reasonable. They smell like a normal human should, and they haven't made up their entire past. So those two elements, even people who may look physically, quote-unquote, normal, they have something off about them. Those elements are totally normal. It's being, I mean, I don't know how many people you've had contact with, but being motionless for 30 minutes or more standing up, uh, that's a feat. That is quite the feat. And also, whether or not you could physically do it, why would you do it? Why would you stand in a... Why would you stand in this hallway just waiting for someone to walk into it? You think alien spy or alien robot spy. Terrible. Or what if a human, what if another human uh, country made it and sent it over? It's a terrible spy, though. Just the tip. Don't make your spy smelly. We covered that a long time ago on Dead Rabbit Radio about the story of Terrer. The man who could eat anything. I'll put that episode in the show notes. That's one of my favorites. I think we did that as a classics episode too. Smelliest man possible. You could smell the food digesting in his stomach. It, you People said you could see visible stink lines emanate around his body. They turned him into a spy. They sent him over. I think they were fighting. I think it was like French and Germany or something like that. They sent him over enemy lines. He got caught instantly because he was disgusting. And of course, you're, if you're going to notice the guy stink lines, right? He can't blend in. Anyways, it's an interesting story. I give the story a little bit of credence because when I looked through Jerry's posting history, he goes online by the name PoopSmith87. And while generally people people whose name involve fecal matter, they may not be the most trustworthy. Or I shouldn't say that, but jokesters. They may be tricksters. What was interesting was I, was, I read this post. And then everything else they posted on, <laughs> so funny because you you might go, wow, this guy's more of a maniac than I thought. Then I go, oh, this guy's normal. Poopsmith87, when I looked at the other stuff he posted on, he posted in martial arts. He posted talking about martial arts. He talked about knives. Totally normal. Totally normal. Those two go hand in hand. And it was interesting because he talked about crawlers. That's that expi- That's that cryptid. I've seen them. I'll put the episode in the show notes of like walking around on all fours, long, white creature. They're creepy. They're creepy. Um, I had an experience with them. I'll put them in the show notes. He had an interesting theory I hadn't heard before. He says, I think that crawlers are feral humans. I was like, oh, that's super interesting. I don't necessarily agree with that. 
But they do look like people walking on all fours. Uh, the first time I saw one, I only saw the back hindquarters of it. And the closest, the way the back sloped down, like I could see it's from the bottom of the ribcage, right? Imagine a man walking on all fours and you you block part of them by a Honda Civic. So I see like from the bottom of the ribcage, the kind of butt is angled up in the air with the long legs. And I walked by... I was walking down the street. I mean, clear, I'd say clear as day. It was in the middle of the night. It was probably about five in the morning. I saw it walk by, and the way that back sloped down looked like it was somebody walking on all fours. And their arms were shorter, obviously, than your legs. I thought it was a lunatic. I I, I thought, like, I had to kind of, I still had to get to work. I had to walk by it, but <laughs> a bunch of Bigfoots are attacking me. I was like, ah, oh, it's just a day in the daily commute adjacent. I kind of walked around the car to put some space between me and it. I, like, I don't know what I was thinking. I kind of was like cutting it off almost. I didn't really think anything at the time. I didn't go, oh, that's just... Because if I thought... If I honestly thought in my head that is a naked hobo hiding behind that car, I would have stopped. I would have totally stopped. I didn't know what it was. I knew it was something. I saw it clearly. I could count... I couldn't say I could count all the ribs, but I could count one rib. Like I was that close. Like I could see the bone and the skin attaching to the skeleton and you're just in kind of in a you know it's a moment it's a moment like you don't think about it while you're there but i was like oh something just walked behind this honda civic and i'm gonna have to walk into the street around it i got off the sidewalk and i'm looking and i'm kind of ready i had like this uh, i think i might have had my flashlight baseball bat i don't know if i had it with me but i remember kind of walking around ready something might attack me and nothing was there it wasn't a trick of the light. I saw it as clearly as I can walk down the street and see someone walking down the street, too. It was 100% a thing. And then maybe like a week or two later, I saw it again. And this time, it was probably a good 100 yards, maybe farther away. And it was running through the, it was running through the Walmart parking lot. That might have been crazy. <laughs> that might have been a crazy homeless person. But it was running through the Walmart parking lot is very quick. I actually thought I was at the top of the stairs that lead down to the Walmart parking lot. I'm seeing this thing run. And I honestly thought it was a dog at that distance. I thought it was a dog with no hair. And then it got like, I'm at the top of the stairs. It's running, it's running, it's running as fast as it can. I'm pretty sure I had a weapon. I'm pretty sure I had a weapon at some point. So I think I had that flashlight little baseball bat that I carry. And I had braced myself, and I'm watching it run, run, run. And there was something weird about the way that it ran, too. It was um, almost like out of juice, the way it was running. It, was, it wasn't it was super beastal. It wasn't, like, ready to... It would have eaten me if it had gotten to me. But um, there it seemed to be something a little desperate about the way it was running. But anyways, it was running, and I'm at the top of the stairs, and I watch it run, and it's to the bottom of the stairs, and I lose sight of it because the way that, you know, the top of the stairs, I don't have that angle down. And I, I'm not moving. I'm waiting for it to come up the stairs so it's even more out of gas if I have to fight this thing. You know, running upstairs is going to kind of de-energize it. And nothing's down there. And I, the way that the stairs are situated, if it ran either direction, I would have seen it. And then I never saw anything like it again. Now, it's possible it was a bear with mange or a dog with mange or a feral human. I really like that scenario. Crawlers or something. I don't know what it is. Like, I didn't even know it was a thing until I saw it. So I'm not going to be like, no, it has to be this. It has to be an interdimensional creature. It has to be a real life. I don't know what in the world I saw. Saw it twice within maybe like a week or two and I never saw it again. 
So I like that theory. And the reason why I wanted to point that out was because the fact that he's like debunked, he's like, I think crawlers are feral humans. He's not married to the world of the paranormal. I couldn't find anything where he's like, oh, and then after the Air Force, I got abducted by aliens. And they said, remember, Paul. And then I turned around and Paul was actually a space captain. And because then you're like, OK, this, this is this is made up. This is made up. Sometimes the story is going to be too good. So is it possible that there was an alien infiltrator at this Air Force base? A bad one at that? Or was it just the smelly, awkward guy who could stand still for 30 minutes or more? Interesting story. It's an interesting phenomenon. And I honestly lean towards the alien. And you're like, what? That's a shock, Jason. You do do a... Paranormal podcast, who would have guessed that you would lean towards the most ridiculous one? We have run out of time. I actually thought we'd have more time, but I don't, the the um, cake, <laughs> you've been waiting on pins and needles. You're like, oh man, you actually made a cake for this episode. You're like, oh dude, he's going to talk about cake, 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 cake the whole episode. We're going to have to save the cake story till tomorrow. I think that's probably a smart play. I definitely can't play it in... I think I have like 10 minutes left. I, I don't think I would do it justice. But I do have one more story for you. I don't want to leave you totally unsatisfied. Lula, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We're leaving behind this Air Force base. Take us all the way out to Canada. I know a lot of you Canadian fans love this show. Everyone else shut it off. They're like, click. Oh, great. It's a Canada story. Woo. So fun up there. What? No, Canada is just as cool as any other country. I don't know why you guys are saying that. Fly us all the way out to beautiful Canada. Specifically, we're going to Ontario, Canada. The year is 1914, and we're walking around. It's a beautiful, sunny day. There's grass everywhere. We're just kind of sitting by the side of a lake. We're in a place called Georgian Bay. We're watching, like, ducks fly by. Quack, 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 quack. Little beavers building a dam. We're like, this sure is awesome. You go, what year is it, Jason? Did you, did you say what year the story takes place? And I have a little hay scene in my mouth. That's like, well, it takes place in the year 1914. So look at this beautiful lake in front of us. Look at that duck. That duck's dead by the time we're telling this story in 2023. That duck's entire bloodline has been wiped from the planet. I hope he enjoys eating whatever ducks eat today. Quack, 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 quack. Well, apparently, a day in 1914, on Georgian Bay, there were eight witnesses who were out, just like us, hanging out, enjoying the sunlight, and they see a UFO floating on the water. They see a UFO floating on the water. They'd have no context for it. You'd probably think it was a boat. But on shore... There was a group of entities, that's how they described them, entities, little alien people, holding a hose that was dipped into the water and then the hose was going into the UFO. The implication is they're sucking up some of that sweet, sweet Georgian Bay. Well, when the aliens realize that they're being watched... <laughs> When the aliens realize they're being... I wish I was here for this. It'd be hilarious. When the aliens realize they are being watched, they very quickly pulled the hose up out of the water, 
jumped on board the UFO, pulled the hose back into the UFO, and took off. But, in their haste to leave, they left a little alien guy behind. And he's just standing out there on the shore. These eight witnesses are watching this little alien guy stand there. And he ran away. This story, it's so funny because I came across the story just the other day in thinkaboutadocs.com. And to be fair, this is rare. This is actually might be the first time I've come across this. Thinkaboutadocs.com for this story. This took place in 1914. There's no source. They're really, really good at sourcing their stuff, even if it's some out of date or like out of publication book. They'll give you the title and the authors and all that stuff. No source for this story. What I think is so interesting is this is another thing that I've talked about maybe three or four times on the show. I find it so evocative. We've done whole segments on it. And I've always thought, like, this must happen. This must happen. I'll put the episodes in the show notes. It's the idea of aliens being left behind. Like, on accident. We have a lot of stories of UFOs crashing, right? Very dramatic crashes like the story at Roswell. But the idea of an alien being left behind, a castaway. And we know it has to happen because we do it. At this point in UFO lore, you can say their technology is higher, but they have all of the same problems as humans. Not necessarily, you could say, well, they've cured all their diseases and they're all unified and blah, 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 social order and stuff like that. But they still make mistakes and we make mistakes. They still build shoddy vehicles and we build shoddy vehicles. We still get lost. They get lost. It's a fascinating story. It's this idea of a little dude being left behind. And what do you do in that situation? Like, how terrifying would that be? Imagine it was just you on a road trip with your friends. And when you got out to use the restroom at a local gas station, you come out. (laughs) They're pumping the car full of water. All of a sudden, they bring this hose out of your car. And they're pumping it full of water from a local lake. People are like, what? You can't steal our water? Get out of here. And they drove off. And now you're stuck at this gas station. I guess you're like, Jason, it's 2023. I would be like, uh, can I use your phone? My friends are idiots. Can I call for another ride? But I remember they were also stealing water. So they may be like, well, we don't, <laughs> we don't like people around here stealing our water. You're like, what? It's raining right now. There's more water coming down. You have an umbrella. Why are you so upset about the Get them! Get them! They're taking our water! Like, it wasn't that they were just... It's not just that you were left behind. <laughs> the people probably 1914, they're like, what? Oh, no, they're still in our water. I don't think they probably cared about that. <laughs> I don't think that was the highlight of their day. They're like, guys, you won't believe it. We were down to the bay earlier, and someone was stealing our water. And people were like, what? And they're like, yes. And then they flew away. <laughs> like, what, what? You should start with that part. That's the more interesting part of the story. Some guys came down from the sky and stole your water. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to get to the, <laughs> to get to the water stealing part as soon as possible. It would be the same thing. If your friends left you behind, you're all at Coachella. And you're like, I hate this music. I love violin garbage. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, come to Coachella anyways. There will be no violins. You'll hate it. 
And then they mess up the Tupac hologram. And then all of a sudden, it's you on stage. You're trying to be Tupac. And we're like, what? That's not Tupac. And they leave you there. And you're like, ah, I feel just like an alien in 1914. It would be awful. It would be absolutely terrible to be left behind in any situation. So imagine now that you're a tiny alien at Coachella. We were like, what? That's definitely not Tupac. He's not an alien. He's all doing these alien dances. He's like, oh, no, I'm better than Tupac. What? People are like, ah. You're not only left behind, but you're just not suited for this world. How sad. How terrifying. Did they ever come back for him? Did he befriend some wildlife and spend his last couple days on Earth, like, riding on the back of a moose, going on some sort of adventure? Was he eaten by a bear? Did he immediately run into the woods and a Canadian bear pounce upon him and just eat him to bits? Who knows? It's a crazy story. It's a sad story. Or maybe it's an adventurous story. Maybe he did go on all these adventures. Maybe he lived a very long life as this little alien dude in the Canadian woods. One can hope. One can hope that right now in the darkness of the woods there's an old grizzled alien... (laughs) With his half-alien, half-moose children. There are these gray aliens with big antlers, and they're sitting in the woods, and he's like, they're like, Grandpa, Grandpa, tell us the story again. When when those jerks left you on Earth, and he goes, oh, I don't want to tell that story again. Plus, I don't know if I'd really call them jerks nowadays. If they hadn't left me on this beautiful blue orb, I wouldn't have you freaks of nature surrounding me. So go to sleep, kids. Go to sleep and dream of a better world, which actually turned out to be this world all along. And then he puts a hose. <laughs> then he sucks. He's sucking water out of the Georgia Bay <laughs> with a giant straw. He's like, good night, kids. Time for a drink for good old grandpa. <sighs> sucking out. <laughs> this show's getting ridiculous. This show's just getting ridiculous at this point. It's the end of the season. There's generally a meltdown as we get closer to the end, but I'm still having so much fun. Still having so much fun. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day.